Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, October 16th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The U.S. House of Representatives has taken a big step to back protesters in Hong Kong. And U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson was locked in a race against time Tuesday night to secure a Brexit deal. Plus, the FT's Laura Noonan explains why, despite a spate of IPO failures, investment banks are still bullish about the market. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Boris Johnson went late into Tuesday night haggling on Brexit as he met the leader of Northern Ireland's Democratic Unionist Party. The price? A big cash payment for the region to secure the party's support for a potential deal. A source told the FT that the figure was in the billions of pounds. The British Prime Minister also held a series of meetings with conservative Eurosceptic MPs as well as the DUP. It was all in an effort to get them to accept a deal that would impose customs checks on goods entering Northern Ireland. On Tuesday, EU officials warned Mr. Johnson that unless he made new concessions, he would have to accept an extension to his October 31st deadline. The EU wants to make sure any custom system in Northern Ireland is resistant to fraud and smuggling. Meanwhile, Mr. Johnson is hoping to minimize just how far Northern Ireland is cut off from the rest of the UK. The U.S. Congress is throwing its support behind Hong Kong pro-democracy demonstrators in the form of a new bill. On Tuesday, the House of Representatives passed a measure that would require action from the executive branch. The Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act says that the Trump administration and the administrations following it will need to conduct annual reviews of the situation in Hong Kong and based on the assessment, determine whether the territory should receive preferential trade status from the U.S., and be treated as a separate entity from China. The act also requires the president to freeze the U.S. assets of and deny the U.S. visas for anyone suppressing basic freedoms of people in Hong Kong. But this is just the first step, and it comes as the Trump administration is trying to secure a final trade deal with China. The Senate would have to pass the bill, and Mr. Trump would have to sign off on the potential law before it becomes a concrete mandate for the executive branch. And in other news, the IMF says that this year, global growth is going to fall to its slowest rate since the financial crisis. The world economy will expand only 3% in 2019, down 0.3 percentage points below its spring forecast. The IMF's chief economist, Gita Gopinath, says there were a few factors that contributed to this. One factor are the rising trade barriers and the continued geopolitical and trade tensions. But then there are a couple of other factors, which is country-specific factors in emerging market and developing economies, and also structural forces, which are low productivity growth, aging demographics, and advanced economies. So these three factors are responsible for this. The White House is stepping up its resistance to the congressional impeachment inquiry. Vice President Mike Pence and Mr. Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, said they will refuse to comply with information requests from House of Representatives committees. And both Mr. Pence and Mr. Giuliani have said the impeachment inquiry violates the U.S. Constitution. And the price of WeWork's bonds dropped to new lows on Tuesday. Those maturing in 2025 dropped to 79 cents on the dollar yesterday. That's down from more than 90 cents on Friday. 
It gives the debt an implied yield of more than 13%. The move came as investors digested what is expected to be a costly bill to rescue the company's finances. Later in the day, the FT reported that WeWork's biggest shareholder, SoftBank, had hired restructuring bankers to revive the property company. And here's the story you should know more about. On Tuesday, some of the biggest U.S. banks reported their third quarter results. One point that came up in the earnings calls, how they were feeling about the market for companies going public. The FT's Laura Noonan explains. I think from the outside, it certainly looks as if the IPO landscape has been pretty difficult and challenging for the last few months. There's been a number of fairly high-profile flops, we would call them. This is cases where something does list, but the share price falls sharply after it lists, and people are generally unhappy all around. So like Peloton, which is this fitness craze bike thing, would be an example of that. Smile Dental is another one that flopped fairly early on. So it looks to us like it's been fairly challenged. But when the banks were talking about it on their earnings on Tuesday, they actually painted a fairly different picture. I mean, JP Morgan were saying, They had done 60 IPOs so far this year and most of them have gone pretty well. And then if we look at the amount of money banks have actually made from doing IPOs and from investment banking generally, that's actually been pretty high. So that's not really what we expected. So despite some of the bigger name flops, as you say, this is still a big business. Did they give you any sense of what they might be doing? So... Mixed messages there. They all talked about the pipeline being strong, which is language they often use when they talk about. So the pipeline refers to the amount of companies that they're currently talking to who they have reason to believe are going to do activity in the near future. So JP Morgan Chase, City, Goldman Sachs all said pipeline was looking strong. Now, JP Morgan did say that they expected fourth quarter investment banking revenues, its overall, to be lower than both the third quarter this year and the fourth quarter last year. So that does indicate some level of softening. If you talk to bankers anecdotally, they will certainly say that what happened to WeWork in particular. And WeWork is something where you had a company which was at one point mooted to list for $47 billion and then couldn't list at all. What happened to WeWork and the market reaction being so harsh against it did make people really think hard about do they really want to test these markets? Something like I think Peloton actually also gave people pause for thought because WeWork, you could look at it and say, well, listen, we are not as fundamentally unstable as WeWork is, therefore we shouldn't attract that kind of off-market reaction. Peloton is more of a case where a company did get it done, but the market just really doesn't like companies that aren't actually making any money yet. So Peloton is also a loss-making company. So I think loss-making companies who believe they have a sustainable business plan, they may be inclined to think a bit harder and to try to get at least closer to profitability before they test these markets. I want to shift gears for a little bit and talk a little bit about Goldman Sachs and their day on Tuesday. What happened? So Goldman Sachs had, this was David Solomon, who's their new chief executive. He'd been in the job for a year. This was his first time to miss earnings expectations. And it was interesting that they missed because earnings expectations for Goldman actually came down by about 15% in the last four weeks. So they missed much lower expectations. Part of the reason that their net profits were down 27% year on year was because Goldman Sachs did take big hits on stakes. It owned both um, in WeWork. It, it had to write down $80 million in respect of its ownership stake in WeWork, but also on some other publicly listed companies, which these are companies which would have listed recently and their share price has fallen. So Goldman lost around 267 million on that as well. So those were two big things that really weighed on them. Goldman also had a pretty poor run for investment banking. So Goldman Sachs' investment banking fees were 15% lower in the third quarter of the year than they were in the third quarter of 2018, even though Citigroup grew its investment banking fees 4% year on year. 
and JP Morgan grew its by 8% year on year. So Goldman really was the weak one there for investment banking. Although Goldman does remain a very big investment bank and they, they're still the world's number one M&A advisor. They're still one of the top advisors for debt issuance and for equity issuance as well. So a uh, little pressure on Chief Executive David Solomon. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, U.S. Vice President Mike Pence is set to depart for Turkey. He's expected to lead a high-level delegation in an attempt to persuade Turkey's president to end his military incursion in northeast Syria. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. The FT has launched a new podcast called The Rockman Review. It's a weekly look at global affairs by the FT's Gideon Rockman. The show will include interviews with some of the decision makers and analysts Gideon meets in his travels around the world. And it will draw on the FT's network of foreign correspondents. The Rockman Review is exclusively for FT subscribers, so if that's you, please go to ft.com slash rockmanreview and sign up. 